the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, God wants to do a metamorphosis inside of you and inside of me. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. For today's Core Truth, we will be in Genesis 1 in a message titled, The Creation Completed. I don't know about you, but for me, it's a lot easier to start a project than it is to finish the project. I mean, think about it. Anyone can start something, but to carry it out to its completion is a whole different thing. You know, we bought a three-level townhouse when we lived in Virginia. The bottom level was a basement. So we wanted to finish off the basement. We were going to make a little family room, a bedroom, a bathroom, a hallway, all of this. And so I started that project. Yes, I got in there and I framed it out. We had to bring in a plumber to do the rough plumbing. We had to bring in an electrician to, to run all the electrical boxes. And I had to drywall. I had to tape the thing. I had to finish it off, paint it, do the flooring, finish plumbing, finish electrical all of those things. And I was finally done. We had a finished basement three and a half years later. (laughs) It's like, yes, let me just say this. It was so easy to start, but it wasn't so easy to finish. Yeah. When the creator, the creator, God starts something, he finishes it just like he does in the promises in our own lives. For we have kinks in our armor, do we not? We have vices that hinder us. We have weaknesses that stumble us. Yet despite all of our flaws, that doesn't stop, nor does it hinder the grace and the mercy of God from moving in our lives, from forgiving us of our sin and accepting us as his sons and his daughters. Yet he has no desire for us to stay the same once we come to know him. If we're living in sin and we come to know Christ, he wants us to live in sin no more. He desires us to be transformed into his image. The Bible tells us, and I'd like to read it to you here, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren... By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Wow. What an incredible portion of scripture. You should have that circled in your Bible. Now, Paul said here, he started out with, I urge you. If you have a King James Bible, it says, I beseech you. In the original language, it just means, I come to you on bended knee. 
Understand, Paul isn't giving us a long list of do's and don'ts here, rules and regulations, but rather he is sharing with us the very principles that will lead and guide us. And when we learn to embrace and to obey them, that will in turn unleash the power of God in our lives. So when he said we are to offer up our lives as a living sacrifice. That was an interesting analogy to use there. For people used to bring in his day a lamb as a sacrifice for their sin. What would they do with that little lamb? Oh, it wasn't the runt of the litter. It was the best lamb that you had, the one with no flaws in it. And they would bring that lamb in and then they would kill that poor little lamb as a sin offering for your and your family's sin. Now, what Paul is saying here is this. We need to die to ourselves. What does that mean? He wants us to die to our fleshly desires, our own ambitions of doing what we feel we need to do. And he wants us to die to all of our weaknesses. And now we are to live an acceptable life to God. In fact, Jesus said in John 12, 24, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So if you have a seed and you pull it out of an orange and you have the seed, it just sits there by itself alone and it does nothing. But if you take that seed and you were to put that seed in the ground and you were to water it, that seed would die from being a seed and it would transform into what? Into a tree. It would grow into a tree that could produce much fruit. So he's saying that we need to die to ourselves of what we were before Christ. But just how does dying to ourselves really translate into our daily lives? Well, it's doing our best from a right heart. As we know, the the heart of the matter is always a matter of the heart. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 6, not by the way of eye service as men pleasers, like when you're at work and you're working and you're kind of slacking off and then all of a sudden the boss comes in. Oh yeah, let's get busy here. That's right. We're just working away. Busy little beavers here. Uh huh. It's like, he says, don't do it like that. Don't be like someone that just works when the boss is watching. Work hard all the time. He says, do it as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart with good will, render service as unto the Lord and not to men. I've said this many times, the Christian should be the highest paid person at any company. Why? Because we should be working hard. We should be diligent. We should be like, how can I make my company better? Why? Because I'm doing my job as unto the Lord. I'm doing everything I can as unto the Lord, not just to men. Yes, it's doing what we know is right. It's going the extra mile. It's helping those around us. Some think if I start living like that, well, then people are going to take advantage of me. My boss is going to dump more work on me if he knows I'll get it done. It's like my spouse will treat me like a doormat. Guess what? It's true. That will happen. And you will be taken advantage of to a certain degree. But that spouse that's taken advantage of you after a while is going to say, wow, what a wonderful spouse they are. Look what they do for me. It's like, look, look at everything I throw at them. They just do it. I wonder why. They must love me. And there will also be those opportunities for people to come to know Christ because of your hard work. 
I was at one point running a sales division of construction equipment. We were the number one dealer in North America for Gale skid steer loaders and for Leroy air compressors and number two dealer in all of North America for Dynalift forklifts, shooting boom forklifts. So it enabled me to go to the factories. They wanted me to go there and tour the factory and like, this is our number one dealer. This is what's putting all of these people to work. You're working overtime because this guy and his cell crew are selling more equipment than anybody else in North America. It put me at the dinner table eating filet mignon steaks, which was never a bad thing for me. And it would put me at those dinner tables with the multimillionaires that owned the companies. I would sit with the president, the owners of the company, the CEOs, and they would ask me, man, you're going to tell us, man, what is it? What is the secret sauce? What's the secret mojo that you're using to so much equipment? It's like, well, I'm glad that you asked. Because I do everything I do as under the Lord. I was 18 years old and I came to know Christ as my Savior. I was living a life of hellion and doing everything under the sun that was wrong. And I came face to face with the living God and he came inside of me and he transformed my life. And one of the verses in the Bible says, do everything you do as under the Lord. So I sell equipment as under the Lord. I want to be the best at what I do. And they're like, whoa. But then they would listen and I would share the entire gospel with them. I would give them an opportunity to give their life to Christ. And it's just like, it was something that they were like, never even expecting. Like, where did that come from? Plus, let's not forget, one day we will stand in heaven and the God of creation will look into your eye and my eye and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You love that hairy beast you were married to. You stuck with him because you did it as unto me. Good job. You love that woman whose head would spin around at times and like, who am I married to? There's like six people in there, I think. Okay, but, but it's like, guess what? You did it as unto me. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Paul went on to say in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, do not be conformed to this world, which simply means don't be in harmony. Don't walk the same way or be in agreement with the same way that the world is or our current culture. The Bible says in 1 John 2.15, do not love the world. Do not love the world nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For all that is in the world, the love of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful and pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away. Can't we see that? Can't we see the mess that the world's in? It's passing away and also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God will abide forever. Forever. You will never die. You will live forever. But how can we not be conformed to the world when we're living in the world, we're surrounded by the world? Well, that's a very good question. For I also live in the same world that you live in. Yet Paul went on to say in Romans 12 too, he says, be transformed. First he said, don't be conformed to the world. But then he says, be transformed. Now, this is an extremely interesting word in the Greek language. It's a Greek word, metamorpho. It literally means change or to transfigure yourself. It's where we get our English word, metamorphosis. 
This word is only used two other times in the entire Bible. It was used once with Jesus in Matthew 17 as he stood on the Mount of Transfiguration and he allowed his glory to come through him and he was shining as bright as the sun. It's also used in 2 Corinthians 3.18 where it says, But we all with unveiled face beholding as a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Yes, God wants to do a metamorphosis inside of you and inside of me. And he wants to do it in the here and now. He wants to change us radically, that we no longer resemble what we used to be before Christ. He wants to be a radical change in our lives. A metamorphosis if you want a a visual of it, it's taking a caterpillar, which is a wormy kind of hundred legs, you know, slimy worm. And it goes into a cocoon and through time, it has a metamorphosis. It went from a slimy worm into a beautiful butterfly. How could the slimy worm turn into a beautiful butterfly? It's like what it started as is nothing to what it ended up as. That's is a metamorphosis. And that is what God wants to do and perform in your life in mine. What we were before Christ can't even resemble what we have become after Christ, where people would look at us and say, wait a minute, you were the party animal before. Wait a minute, you're the one that used to cuss every other word was the F-bomb. And all of a sudden now it's like, well, who are you? It's like you're not even the same person. See, it's totally crazy, but it's true. And this is what Christ wants to do inside of us. It's not only possible, and it's only possible because God alone is able to do this inside of us. For he is the one who created the universe. He made everything that is seen and unseen. He made it because he literally spoke it into existence. Well, today, as we continue in our verse-by-verse study through the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, the origin of all things, as you remember from last time, we started with the first verse of the Bible. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. And he created the heavens and the earth. Again, only in the book of Genesis do we find, out of all ancient writings, an attempt to account for the ultimate origin of the creation of all things, beginning with matter, space, and time. And the first verse of the Bible starts with, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God, you can't go back any further than that. Genesis 1-1 is the most awe-inspiring, the most comprehensive sentence in all of the human language. While being such a simplistic sentence, it also stands unequaled in profound significance. In the beginning, God, and he created The Hebrew word for created is bara. That means out of nothing, he literally spoke everything into existence. 
Last time, we looked at the first four days of creation. We pointed out, as the Bible declares, it all happened in six literal days. A day here in Genesis comes from the Hebrew word, Yom. Yom, which never is translated as a period of time. There is other places in the scripture and in Psalms and in 2 Peter 3 8, where it talks about like one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day. Yes, there is times that God uses terms like that, but not in this case. In the beginning, it means a day, a 24 hour day or part of a 24 hour day. That's what the word Yom means. Notice at the end of each day of creation, God said in verse 5, there was evening, there was morning, it was one yom, a 24-hour day. That's it. Then in verse 8, he said, after evening and morning, it was the second day, the second yom. In verse 13, after evening and morning, it was the third day, the third yom, and so on through creation. Now, man refutes this. Man says he has his own idea of creation. He has come up with his own theories of the origin of the universe. According to NASA, man dates the beginning of the whole creation at 13.7 billion years ago. That's when the Big Bang happened. That's when it all came down. This is based on them measuring the composition of matter, energy, and density. Now, that's a long time. Now, we talked about last week how how much is a billion? They said that this all happened 13.7 billion years ago. A billion is a lot. And as we used in the analogy last time, if you were just to simply count to a billion, one, two, three, four, five, and you never stop for breakfast, you never stop for lunch, you never stop for dinner. In fact, you didn't stop to sleep. You just counted 24 hours a day. It would take you 32 years to get to one billion billion. That's how much a billion is. That's a long time. And so they're pulling this number out of a hat. Now, see, at the same time, NASA admits, well, they're not sure if this measuring system is accurate. Yeah, I I guess so. I guess so. This is a quote from their own website, nasa.gov. They say, quote, if we compare the two age determinations here, uh, uh, there is a potential crisis. If the universe is flat and dominated by ordinary or dark matter, the age of the universe, as inferred uh, from the Hubble constant, would be about 9 billion years. The age of the universe would be shorter than the age of the oldest stars. This is in contradiction, and it implies that either one or a measurement of the Hubble constant is incorrect. Oh, Yes, that's that's a good possibility. Okay, number two, the Big Bang Theory is incorrect. Oh, absolutely, that could be incorrect. Number three, that we need a form of matter that is cosmological constant, meaning there needs to be a different science of origin that implies to an older age for a given observed expansion rate. Yeah, here's your other scientific origin. How about going back to Genesis 1-1? How about that? That'll help you a lot. See, bottom line is, it's a theory 
that man has of evolution of the beginning, the Big Bang. It's a theory. It's conjuncture. It's guesswork. They simply cannot know for sure. Let's not forget the only way that we can really date something is by comparing what we do know. And the oldest major civilization that's known to man, where man has gone back, we have dug up ruins, and we know this is the oldest thing that we can find on planet Earth that we know that there was human population in. And that's the Mesopotamian uh, civilization that dates back to 3500 BC. That's it. We don't know anything earlier than that. So when we come up with bones and say these are 50 million years old, it's all conjecture. There's nothing to compare that to. And may I point out that all reliable and actual historical records agree in substance with the Bible's short chronology, meaning God created the heavens and the earth in literally six days or six yams, 20 four-hour periods, and he did it approximately 4,000 plus years B.C., a little over 6,000 years ago. Obviously, man has to deny this claim, like, what? Are you serious? We've got bones. We've got this. They're millions of years old compared to, and where do you pull that number from? Okay, and in order to accept their own, if everything created itself by evolving, there is no divine creator, and all the magnificence and all the complexity that we see around us, in order for that to create itself all on its own, it's going to have to take a long, long long time. Now, as we pick up in Genesis chapter one, let's look at our first point. Life is moving. As we read together here in Genesis chapter one, verse 20 says, then God said, let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth and the open expanse of the heavens. God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the water swarmed after their kind and every winged bird after its kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. There There was evening and there was morning, a fifth day, a fifth yom, fifth, seven, 24-hour period. Now, here we have God populates the earth with all kinds of living creatures. Notice there was not a blob of protoplasm here that somehow formed together in response to electrical discharge as evolutionists would theorize, but rather God simply spoke them all into existence. The living or moving creatures in verse 20 comes from the Hebrew word that would include invertebrates and vertebrates. Invertebrates are those that don't have a spine. That would be things like snails and Uh, spiders and octopuses that have no spine. Then there's vertebrates, which be all your animals like lions and tigers and bears and beef and buffalo and all those all kinds of things and elephants that have spines in them and all reptiles. This covers all your birds and marine life. Notice in verse 21, 
It says great sea creatures in the King James Bible, but in the New American Standard, the Bible that I read out of, it gives a little bit better translation of the original Hebrew word. And that translation is sea monsters, not just sea creatures, it's sea monsters. Some have even translated this word as dragons. It's interesting to note how God deals with and what appears to be dinosaurs in the Bible. But considering the sea monsters that he's talking about here in verse 21, And for those that have embraced the idea of dragons, there is a creature that is now extinct, yet it was a fierce beast. And God describes it in the Old Testament book of Job, the oldest book in the Bible. And so let's see what he describes here about this sea monster here in Job chapter 41, verse 1. Now, let me give you the preface of what led up to this conversation that God is having with Job. Now, somewhere along the line in Job chapter 1, Satan has to come in and check in with God. So he's checking in with God, and God was bragging about Job. Have you considered my righteous servant Job? And Satan's like, well, you know, the only reason that guy worships you, the only reason that he just gives you all the glory is because you blessed him immensely, and then you put a hedge of protection around him. He says, if you let me at that guy, and you let me take away all the blessings that you've given to him, he'll curse you to your face. And God's like, all right. Well, do whatever you want to him. Just don't take a, don't touch his life. So Satan went down there, just ravaged this poor guy. This guy came down to nothing. Everything that he had, every blessing was taken away from him. And what was Job's response to this? The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. They've made songs like that. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's all the time we have for today's message. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA one word, that's Core Church LA to 77977. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.